So welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Serial Seller. I've got a really interesting guest with me today. Jason is a international sales speaker. He's the head of coaching for a, a really great, successful company called Rethink. And he's developed his own methodology to help businesses generate high paying clients on LinkedIn and his methodology is called leads and he's going to explain a lot more about that. Jason was unfortunately involved in a, in a horrific plane accident and he became he went from a plane crash survivor to an international sales speaker. So Jason Osborne thank you so much for joining my show today. Hey, Tony, it's my privilege to be here. I'm really looking forward to being on, on the podcast with you. No, thank you. So for my guest, Jason, I always like to start off just to get a bit of an overview about your journey and where it began for you. I know you're from Texas um, in, in the States and, and now living in and up North England in Leeds. Um, just tell us a bit about yourself and, and your experience when it comes to sales. Yeah, cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm from Houston, Texas, and um, moved to the Republic of Ireland about 15 years ago. And then nine years ago, 19 years ago, moved up to the north of England up here near Leeds. So I always tell people that right from the beginning, because they try to figure out my accent where I'm from, as yeah. opposed to actually listening to me. So yeah, that's kind of my my geographical journey. In terms of um, kind of sales and all that, uh, I've, I've always since I was a teenager, really been intrigued by business. I knew that I wanted to go in business uh, at some level. And uh, I, when I was 19, I, there, a friend of mine owned a company. It was just, just himself. It was really small, but he sold window coverings in Houston. Oh, yeah. And so it was just blinds. Um, I know here in the UK, we, we use more curtains, but in, in the States, uh, use blinds, like two inch forward blinds. And he said, hey, man, do you want to come in and, and just make your own money and go out, make some sales on the weekends and stuff like that? I was like, yeah, OK, cool. You know, it's kind of my first, you know, cutting my teeth on the whole thing of, of sales. And um, I think probably about six months after that, an opportunity that he had been looking for for a while had come up. And for him to do that, he needed to spend all of his time and focus on. So it's like, hey, man, do you want to just take the company over? Wow. You know, I mean, that sounds massive. It was just him and, you know, there's no big deal, but I was like, yeah, cool. So yeah. he introduced me to his suppliers and all that. And, you know, age 20, here I am running my own company Wow. and going out and uh, uh, building that up. And, and that was kind of my first uh, real kind of exposure to selling. Yeah. And it was the best learning experience ever. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I would, I pinch myself oftentimes um, because here I am as a 20 year old going into people's homes. I mean, this isn't people coming into a a shop front. I'm going into where they live, you know, and, and uh, it was just crazy. just thinking they don't even know me, you know, and they're giving me money. And it was just, it was, it was crazy, man. But yeah, that's, that's where it all began. Love that. And and what was, how long did you do that, run that business for the blinds business? So I did it for two years. Um, and there was a combination of, of things. Um, one, I ended up being in the plane crash, like you mentioned. Um, but then the other side of it is that um, Houston is obviously known for oil and re, their refi- oil refineries and stuff. So there's a lot of oil refinery workers and they, they work shift work. So they'll work like four days on four days off, or sometimes even seven or 10 days on or, and then seven to 10 days off. So they've got a lot of spare time. You know, you're not just going to sit around for seven days doing nothing. So the barrier to entry to get into that business was really low. Like it, it, 
there was hardly any cost involved at all. Yeah. And so they could go out. They weren't, they weren't looking to make a living off of it. They can make three, four, you know, three, four or $500 a month doing that. It's an extra car payment or whatever. Yeah. And they're happy. So what happened then is my margins got just kept being driven down and down and down and down. And, um, um, so I ended up saying, well, I, let me do something. Cause I was, I was working four times as hard to, to even try to make the close to the same amount of money, amount of money when I started. So, um, but yeah, I ran for two years, but it was phenomenal. I loved it. Absolutely loved it, man. It was really cool. Where did you go from there? Once, once you'd finished the, that, that sort of that chapter in your life, what was the next step in from a sales perspective? So the next step, um, it, it was about a year and a half later, because like I said, I was in a, a plane crash and all that kind of stuff. And so there was just some, obviously some things I, have, I had to go through yes. and all that. How long, but, what was, I was going to ask about your recovery. So what was your actual injuries and, and how long did that take? So my injuries were very, very minor. Um, so there were five people on the, on the plane. Um, three, of, three of them died. Um, they were all my friends. Wow. Um, me and another guy survived. He, he had more injuries than I did, but um, it wasn't wasn't massively bad injury. So for me, I have a partial torn uh, right ACL uh, yeah. in my knee. Um, I had a, a massive cut on my left arm that went down to the bone and um, kind of some burns and stuff like that from the fire, but um, nothing massive, but it was, it was more the mental journey That's over about a year. Um, Cause one of the, the people on, on the plane, um, it, it really, 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 really close friend of mine. And so, uh, you know, their whole thing around survivor's guilt and all that sort of stuff. So there was just a, there was a mental process that I had to work through. Um, but it, it's funny how all these things work, you know, they help you develop because in that process, people say, well, how did you get, get through that? And it was really weird because on the plane, I was writing out plans for a, a business that I wanted to go into. Really? And so to do that, you have to think ahead, you know, yeah. like you're thinking, you're planning out, you know, you're, it, it, it's a, a, your, your future pacing. Yeah. When after the plane crash, I don't know how to explain it other than if I woke up just as an example, at 8 a.m. in the morning, I couldn't see past 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It was like a fog. I couldn't see past anything. And it, it, it scared me. I was like, what is going on here? Mm. So Every day I made a decision that I'd wake up, I'd look as far as I could in my mind, and then I'd push it by 15 minutes. Yeah. And I just kept doing that every single day. And then it, you know, it got to a day and then two days and, you know, on and on and on until it kind of like, okay, I can actually see yeah. normally again, you know? And I think that comes really big into business and sales as well, because mm. it's about saying, you know, you don't always have to see the end result all the time. Yeah. And you may know you're stuck in certain areas, yeah. but it's looking at and going, okay, I know I'm stuck. How do I push myself just that little bit extra? Yes. Get to that point and then push yourself a little bit more. And before you know it, you forgot you couldn't see yeah. what you, what you weren't able to see before because you're so far past that. So yeah, there was a lot of things that I, I learned through that and, and um, I think still use today. So. And I was going to ask that. So in your sales career, what would you say are sort of the, the biggest lessons that you've taken that would be that would be maybe beneficial for our guests, um, you know, to learn from? 
Yeah. So for me, the, the biggest thing uh, I had to learn just to be me. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I, uh, I've been, I've always been a very introverted person and over the years of learning and applying myself, um, people will tell me now, like if I'm in a, a networking room and stuff like that, people go, what you're, you're an introvert. Like I never knew that. Um, because I, 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 you know, I can chat really well with people, yeah. but it's not my comfort zone. I still yeah. feel really uncomfortable doing that now in, on a stage speaking. That's a different subject. I love speaking. I can get up and I'm more comfortable speaking in a room of 10,000 people than I am speaking one-to-one with people, right? Yeah. It's, it's It's crazy. So, um, but so what I was, the big thing for me with this to answer your question, Tony, around that is I would look at other people in sales. I'd read books, you know, all that sort of stuff. And you would read stuff about, you know, you need you need to get to their objections and and they can, it comes off really kind of aggressive almost yeah. and so I thought okay well I, I need to be that you know it just didn't work for me and I realized that everybody has to find their own lane and how they communicate and sell to people mm. and for my approach what I found is that if I'm just me and personable and approachable that's what attracts people to me yes okay? some people are different some people are a bit more direct. And I, yeah. and I look at them and think, God, I wish I could be like them and they yeah. do an amazing job. Yeah. But as soon as I try to be them, yes, boom, my sales go down because yeah. I'm not being authentic and people can feel that. So that's yeah. one of the biggest lessons I learned for myself. I love that. I think that's really sensible, good advice. Actually, we always need to remind ourselves. And, and I like how you said about, you know, even though you were uncomfortable, you pushed yourself in a networking environment. And I, and I, I totally get that. What's your best advice for people who, like you, feel uncomfortable either networking or uncomfortable picking up the phone to make a sales call? What's your best advice, your best strategy of how they can just do it and take action? So th- this is going to sound really simplistic, although most most best things are very simple. Um I just talk to people as if I'm their friend already. Mm. I know that I, it's, that sounds, there's no magic in that, mm. you know, That's but I just, cool. I just go up and I just chat to people like I'm their friend yeah. and I don't try to force conversation. I remember a conversation uh, with my, with my mom when I was 15. Okay. We were in a car. Uh, she was driving, we were going somewhere. And I, and, and I said to her, I said, mom, what's all this nonsense about small talk? Like, it's, it's just stupid. Like, why do you have to spend 15 minutes talking to, to people about the weather, or some other complete nonsense that no one cares about? Why can't you just get down to business and talk about what you want to talk about? Yeah. And she just laughs and she goes, oh, you've got a lot to learn. Yeah. And, and, and I did. And, and it's that whole thing of just being yourself, being friendly, because if you can just chat to people yeah. without an agenda, yeah. Okay. And it doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean that you can't have a long-term objective or something that you're wanting to move towards. Yeah. But if you go into a conversation with an, an agenda, people can feel that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know? I totally agree. Yeah, it will come across. And like you said about authenticity, people can feel it. Yeah. I know you're, you're an expert in part of your role is obviously your head of coaching for Rethink. And I want to know more about that. But I also know that you're an expert in helping companies, especially SMEs, generate leads using LinkedIn. What's some of, of the best tips, tools, techniques that you can suggest that my leaders, my readers rather can, can um, and, and listeners can implement immediately to see better yeah. results? 
notes. So the first, the first thing, uh, and we were talking about this a little bit pre-show, but it, you got to position yourself properly on LinkedIn. A lot of people position themselves in what I call a commodity-based market. Mm. So they'll just say, I'm an IFA, I'm a business coach, I'm an executive coach, I'm an accountant or whatever. So is everybody else. Yeah. And then you just compete on price. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't like competing on price mm. because you usually get the worst type of clients. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So it's what you do to differentiate yourself from everyone else in that industry. Mm. So it's a it's a it's moving out of the commodity commodity market and being a specialist in your area, mm. and it, it's really easy to do. And it, if you know what to do, I give say it's easy example. to do. Give me an example. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll give you two examples. One is um, an IFA, so an independent financial advisor. That's what you put up on your LinkedIn profile. Everyone either knows an IFA or knows someone that knows an IFA. Yes. And we have a preconceived idea on what they can do to help. Yeah. And we'll just, oh, okay, it's one of them. And we, we just put it off. But if you can focus on what it is specifically that you're the best at, that you love getting business for, mm. and really tailor that around that, then you can, you can make a difference. So one example, one of my clients, IFA, I sat down with him. I said, okay, if you had two prospects come and sit down with you, prospect A says, hey, I need your help in this particular area. You're a professional. You're smiling on the outside, but on the inside, you're going, oh God, I hate doing this type of work. Okay. But prospect B comes and sits down next to you and they say, can you help me with this particular area? You're not just smiling on the outside anymore, but on the inside, you're going, God, I love this. If I could have these types of clients every single day, that's what I want. Yeah. Without a heartbeat, my client said pensions. I was like, okay. Cause I wasn't expecting that answer from him. I said, why pensions? And he said, because I can, I, he says, I can help high net individuals retire up to 10 years early by restructuring their pensions. And I was like, man, that's, do you see how different that is from just being an IFA? Totally. So we repositioned what he did. Um, he, he generated an incredible amount of business uh, within six weeks of time, which is fantastic. Another example, just real quick, personal trainers. And yeah. I like the personal trainers, right? Because yeah. if, if you know an IFA, you know 10 personal trainers. You know where yeah. to go to get a personal trainer. They're, yeah. they're at the gym down the road. Yeah. And, and they are the biggest commodity I've ever seen because they just compete on price. And everyone knows what a personal trainer does. But if, you're re to, if you were to reposition yourself and you said, I help athletes, achieve peak performance in 90 days. Yes. Completely different ball game. Yes. Now you're not dealing with people that are the new year's resolutions, people that are going to start working with you for two weeks and you'll never see them again. Yeah. You're dealing with people that are serious. Yeah. They're going to be willing to pay more because they want to achieve a specific result. They sense. already understand caloric intake and all that stuff. You're not going to have to try to convince them to work out. They're going to be your ideal prospect. So by repositioning that makes all the difference in the world. That's very clever. And and what do you obviously for your IFA client? It was easy, as you said, in a heartbeat. He said pensions. What what if the my listeners don't know what their dream client is or their niche or their or their superpower? Let's call it. What's the best way to really drill down and, and find out and identify that? So th there's a couple. A couple ways to do it. I mean, the best way is to have someone kind of work through that process with them. Okay. Um, because we, you don't know what you don't know. 
and having someone to ask you those questions to drill down is, is usually the best. Um, that sounds self-serving because that's what I do for people, but I just see that that works. But if you're not working someone, just if you're looking at it right now on what to do, the, the main thing is this, what specific outcome yeah. do you love helping people to achieve the most? Mm, that's a good question. So if you look on it based on outcome, mm. it makes all the difference in the world. Because yeah. oftentimes what people do, and, and you'll know this as well, Tony, uh, if you ask a better question, you'll get a better answer. Yeah. And most of the time we're conditioned to ask questions of who would I like to work with? Yes. That's the wrong question mm. because our immediate answer is everybody. Yeah. And as soon as you say everybody, you will you you it forces you to be generic yeah. and puts you in a commodity based market yeah when you say what's the specific one specific outcome i want to help people to achieve mm. it changes your entire way you think and then you then then you um you work backward from there oh yeah it's really powerful what happens playing devil's advocate what happens if let's say you're a trainer or a coach and you've chosen three lanes you know, there's three niches that you serve. How can you communicate that in your LinkedIn profile? Because it won't it dilute your messaging? Okay, good question. So it, it depends on the three lanes. So I was just speaking with somebody yesterday and they said, oh, I, I do th I, I, three lanes, right? They, they literally had three different kinds of things they were doing. So when I started getting it down to the, what's the specific outcome for each one of those? It actually boiled down to the same thing. Okay. It was just three different approaches on the way they were doing it. And again, it's because people, it, it, we just think differently than, than what's best for us. Now, if you have completely different niches, so let's say you, you're a trainer and you help people um, ride horses better yeah. and you help people, uh, you're an executive coach, and then you help um, abuse victims. Yeah. You got to pick one. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So it, 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 it's a little bit of a broader question that you've asked, but no, but I get that you've got yeah. to, yeah, you've got to see what, what sits well with you in terms of what you enjoy, maybe the most or most beneficial, et cetera. I get that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your head of coaching at rethink. I know, you know, you must rethink's a great business and I know you must sort of work with some amazing clients. What I'd like to ask is from all the salespeople that you've worked with and you've had the pleasure of coaching, what, what are some of the, the, the key maybe characteristics or themes that you've observed in today's world of what makes an absolute A-star performing sales professional? Yeah. So the first one is asking the right questions. Hmm. Asking questions in a way where the, the prospect is able to, to tell you that what they need. Hmm. As soon as you can get a client to, for them to tell you what they need, mm. they can't object to that. Yeah. So there's a phrase, I didn't coin it, and I can't remember off the top of my head who did, but there's a phrase, they say this, if I tell you something, you can object. If you tell me something, you can't object to that. Yeah, very good. So I, what I've always found, whether it's by um, uh, people educating themselves to do this or whether it's by nature. And some people are just naturally good at this. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm not, I had to study it. Um, but if you can get a, someone to tell you what they need, yeah. why they need it. And then if you can actually provide a solution to that problem yeah. and you're able to say, cool, 
I can help you with that. And that's the biggest thing. As soon as you start telling people, this is what I do. This is what I do. This is how I can help you. Yeah. It's our nature to start creating objections on, well, it's not quite what I need. Well, no, it's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. But if you repeat back to them what they've said, they can't argue with you on that. Yeah, that's very powerful. Yeah, very much. I love that. What in your life's experience to date from when maybe it was when you were selling blinds, going to people's houses, as you mentioned, as a 20 year old or or in your your later your later years? What, what would you say is the the biggest lesson that you've expe- you've learned from any from a sale, maybe that you've won or maybe a sale that you've lost? What was your biggest takeaway from that? Okay. Um, I'm going to work around to that. So the, the, the biggest takeaway for me is making sure that you are attracting the right type of prospects to begin with mm. and being able to say no as well, mm. because I see a lot of people come in, particularly new people when they're starting business, they'll just take on anybody and everybody. Yeah. And it's a big mistake. Uh, maybe in the beginning, taking on anyone, everyone might be a good thing. Just you may need to learn how to narrow down your niche. Yes. Maybe you've gone a bit more broad and, and just experience will help you hone in kind of the, the niche that you're going. But um, it, it's, it's the reason why I see a lot of people doing that is out of fear, particularly when it comes to um, let's say solo, solopreneurs, you know, coaches, consultants, advisors, a lot of them are led by fear because they don't have enough business and leads coming in. Sure. And so what they do then is they, they try to market themselves to everybody Yeah. and they'll say things in, in particularly on LinkedIn. And I'm sure you've seen this as well. They'll say, I'm a, I'm a business coach, um, a, 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 a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, dog whisperer. And you're like, why are you putting all that stuff on there? And like, well, because if someone needs that, I want to let them know that I can do that. That's fear-based Yes, because you're hoping that so, someone that might have one particular crazy need out there on something you studied for 10 days, three years ago or 20 yeah. years ago, if they need that help, you're there to help them, yeah. which means you don't have enough business to keep you busy anyway. Yeah. That's so, a good point. yeah. So for me, that's one of the biggest things is, is even though sometimes it may feel scary, get really specific because the more specific you are, the more tailored your marketing language is mm. your ideal process is going to understand better what you're able to help them to achieve, mm. which comes back to that outcome that yep. you're able to do yep. um, and not be led by fear and being yep. and being uh, confident enough to turn down business that, you know, while you might be able to help them, you know, it's not the best and most effective use of your time. Yeah. No, really good. Really, really helpful. What What's some of the best sales books or motivational books that you've read that you would say has probably taught you the most? So um, I, when I first started uh, selling about 20 years ago, um, Jeffrey Gittimer, um, oh. I can, conf- I consumed his stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's been on my podcast. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he's just, I, I loved it. I loved everything about him. And um, he hasn't, I haven't seen as much of him. I, I've seen, um, he's been doing some LinkedIn lives a bit more he recently, has. but, um, but yeah, J- uh, Jeffrey's stuff is, is awesome. Um, and uh, I, just random things I've read over time as well. A, a lot of it though, for me, has always come down to kind of mindset too. Yeah. Um, so 
because you can learn different sales techniques, but if you don't necessarily believe in yourself, then that will always stop you from moving yes. forward as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm a, I've always been a big fan of Tony Robbins, which I know is quite cliche being American, but I've always liked Tony. Um, I, I was in Chicago, I think it was last year or maybe the year before uh, I went out to the second time to see him. Nice. The guy is a, he's a legendary. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. He's awesome. Well, I, I know a lot of people struggle with getting in the right frame of mind and especially with, you know, COVID. Um, I think that's really, you know, been a been a, a block for a lot of people and thrown them, really. What's maybe your your top tips, your best advice of how to get into the right frame of mind, especially with what you've been through? And as you said, you know, it took you over a year to really deal with it i guess yeah so the way that i look at things and i, I didn't come up with this um if if people want to know more about this i definitely recommend checking out stuff by jo uh, dr john d martini he, he does a lot of really good stuff i don't know if you've come across He's been on my John. podcast okay all right Love okay john's awesome so um i don't want to repeat anything necessarily from what he says but i i always look at it and realizing that there's always balance you know, there's always an upside and there's always a downside. And oftentimes what we do is we compare where we are right now based on goals we've set out and what we think we're not achieving. Or what we do is we go into a, a year, whether we uh, plan out, um, you know, I, I always plan out the year and my, my objectives and all that, which I know a lot of people do as well. And we set expectations. And oftentimes, oftentimes what we'll do is we'll set unrealistic expectations. We'll see all the positives. And this is one of the things I, I always talk about with my clients um, when they're starting off a business is when they start off a business, we look at it and we all we can see in our head is the positives, yeah. how it's going to be amazing. Finances are going to come in and, you know, particularly people doing online businesses and stuff, you know, they're going to be sipping mojitos on the beach on, a, on their laptop and all this. That's all they see. Once you get into it, then stuff happens, whether it's COVID or whether it's a regulation change, a platform change on social media, whatever things happen. And, you'll realize that there's things that you have to learn that you didn't even know to yeah. know. Yeah. And then what happens is because we have this unrealistic expectation to begin with, reality starts setting in and we get discouraged. Some people might feel depressed around that. Yeah. They might not think they're good enough to do it. This is harder than I thought it would be. Well, really what, what I think works for me and what I've seen for works for other people is just realize, okay, I acknowledge the fact that I had an unbalanced expectation in this area. Let's balance that a little bit more. Let's look, because with every downside, there's an upside. With every upside, there's a downside. And let's just look at this and say, okay, it feels really down right now. Where's the opportunity? Where's the upside? Because there always is. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And so that's what I always tell people is, okay, let's look at this. Mm. Okay. Are you willing to learn? Yeah. Or are you going to take on this oh it's too hard it's not what i thought it'd be they lied to me where you blame other people or are you going to take control of your own life mm. and make and, and make the difference in your own life that you wanted to so yeah i think that's great advice and i love actually the reminder that you're right there is always an upside and sometimes in dark places you don't see it yeah. um but i think if you ask ask the right questions um, and maybe get some feedback from other people they can help you see the light and see that there is an upside in every 
downside situation. So yeah, I think absolutely. that's wonderful advice. Jason, where's the best place for my listeners to either reach out to you, learn more about your stuff? What, what's the, the best place to go? Well, I'll give you two things. So um, for Rethink, if you go to rethinkgift.com, Paul, who's the owner of Rethink, he's written a book called Rethink Social Media, and you can download the first four chapters there for you to dive in and and kind of consume the information. And if people want to connect with me, I'm a LinkedIn guy. So I always tell people go to LinkedIn. Um, So if they just search for Jason Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N, just when you connect with me, don't just send a connection request. Let me know yeah. you've heard me on the podcast because right. uh, if, you, if I get a random connection request, uh, I may not accept you. <laughs> so. no, fair enough. I think mean, that's, again, good advice for people. You know, make sure it's a tailored message yeah. you know, and relevant. Jason, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate it and some really good thought-provoking ideas shared. So thank hey, you. Hey, man, my pleasure. And keep safe. Cheers, man.